What a great host. That was. It was a lot of fun. Man. And, uh, yeah, she had some fun questions and had a good time with us. And, and uh, yeah, it was, it was, uh, I was just happy to do it. I, I emailed her, I thanked her, and I told her I hope that we, we gave her a good show, you know. Absolutely. Uh, and just uh, the stripper names, that was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> well, Chop is the sausage. Fred <laughs> had the mullet back there. You're the mullet. It's got to be. <laughs> yeah. Got to be the mullet. You know, what else can there be? I think Annette was smitten with you, wild card. Yeah. Man, that effect yeah. on people. Yeah. <laughs> she was, she and I think she called Dreadbull hot, hot for Dreadbull. Yeah. yeah. Look at that. I know. The mullet and Goldilocks there. That's up. right. Exactly. Yeah. She knows. She knows what's up. <laughs> <laughs> well, I thanked her. I thanked her. Uh, I already sent her an email. Thanked her for a letting us be on her show and i said i hope we i hope he uh gave her an entertaining show and and that uh, we had a we all had a good time so oh, Fred, oh, there's yes. jarvis all how right you doing? hey guys hey, how about yourself hey good jarvis. let me get adjusted here uh sorry i just like walked in the door um like fucking gale force winds outside and had to fucking run a comb through my hair. I looked like I looked like, I looked like Albert Einstein, but like not smart. <laughs> nice, nice. All right, there we go. What's up? excellent? Hey, we are so glad that you could join us, Jarvis. Thank you, man. Really appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. Good to see you guys, Vic. Haven't seen you in forever, man. The place is looking good. I know. Thanks, man. Thanks. You got a SM7 mic. You're all pro i'm just yeah like, man i try to look i try to look good i'm just talking on the phone here i hope that's okay yeah that yeah, sounds fine, good man. i did that forever yeah. so that's okay fine. yeah okay. okay now we know you're over in ireland doing your big festival are you, you you got the time to hang out with us you're cool with that yeah of course i just went to an event tonight and uh just just check something out with one of the other organizers there's like a big city event on tonight so yeah i just came home took a break to chat with you guys about the cool stuff and then uh we'll see where the night takes us all right sounds good well we'll get right into it then hey this is daniel dk from exciter diamonds banger tv and way too many other things to list and you are listening to heavy metal whore I am Montag, master of illusion. What goes up must come down, but not always. Hey, this is Chop Top, and this one's going to be, be demonic. <laughs> and dreadful. Wild card. And you are watching and listening to Heavy, Heavy Metal Oh, oh see, Jarvis is already getting into it. Yes, I know. I can't uh, we don't ever give yeah. our guests the memo to it's do that stuff, so, so it's just awkward for you guys. When we do our outro, then he'll join us and he'll know yeah. what to do. He'll feel good. Like, yes. The two oh. things I love most, heavy metal and horror. You know? Beautiful. You came to the right place. Yeah, yeah. Tonight, we've got a really, really good show. We are talking with Jarvis Leatherby from bands like Sirith Ungol and Night Demon. Jarvis, welcome to Heavy Metal Horror. Thanks for having me, guys. Um, we are really excited. I, I really dig your music. Um, Thank you. And 
when I was listening to Sirith Ungol, it made me think like this would be the perfect music to play Dungeons and Dragons to. <laughs> Were you like a big gamer back in the day? No, I've never played, to be really? honest. Let's roll yeah. some characters, man. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, yeah. Honestly, I was more into girls. Okay. Yeah, you can't you can't do both. <laughs> you, you gotta choose one or the other. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like, yeah, don't donut shops are for the morning when you're hungover, not at night, you know. So, uh, but, but no, no, yeah, you know, like Sarah Thungle, I mean, they've been a band for 50 years. Like I'm I'm not I'm in no way, you know, an original member or a songwriter. I'm I'm the manager of the band. I'm the guy, I'm the guy who reformed the band after you know, they were a band for 20 years. They broke up for 25 years and I got them back together and they asked me to manage the band. And I ended up getting four, four of the OG guys and it didn't work out with the original bass player. So I'm kind of there by default at, as far as that goes. And, you know, I mean, I'm a big fan of the band and I'm kind of like the, the gatekeeper and like the final editor of the band, you know? So I look, I manage the band as a fan and um, I think that's, that's what bands like that need, you know, because you get right. older and, and time goes on and, you know, not to say that they're not relevant. I mean, I think they're very relevant, but I think it's because, you know, guys like me kind of like always in, you know, input in those kind of values, you know, where it's like, look, I don't expect you to put on the leather and the spikes like you were 18 again, but like, uh, the corn shirt is not worn on stage, you know. <laughs> yeah, yes. you know, yeah, yes. yeah. You, you know what I'm saying? So right, you're uh, doing, right, you're doing right, them a right. solid there, man. Right, that's for yeah, sure. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm, a remind, I'm a fan. That reminds me a lot of the uh, Daniel DK who we just interviewed and him joining Exciter, you know, a band that's been around for sure. ages, and he kind of took over that role too, and uh, you know, uh, booking shows for him and all that stuff. So yeah, actually, Dan. Daniel's a good buddy of mine, actually. So uh, that's that's pretty cool. Yeah, we we actually we a night demon is going to be doing a, a tour with Exciter. We've got a package going out in the fall. I guess that's we haven't announced that, so that's an exclusive here for the podcast. There we go. Yes, but we we've definitely bonded on those kinds of things. Exciter and Sarah Thungle have ended up on festivals together, and have had like just 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 weird things happen you know with our older members of the band uh yeah. not 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 quite not quite rock star demands but things of like look it's just not going to go this way this time like it's going to be okay kind of kind right. of thing you know and so we we kind of bond over that stuff you know but uh but you know much like him those guys in exciter with him and the guys in Thungle with me these guys like we're we're like best friends with these guys and they put their full trust and confidence in us and and we're able to to make it so i mean these bands are finally making some money you know and right they're, and they're able, they're able to play for for their fans around the world that never got to see them and a whole new generation of fans you know 80 percent of the audience for both those bands are are you know half their age you know right. so yeah. that's really interesting too yeah, you're kind of like bridging the the. So you're kind of talking about sort of the old way of doing things versus how things are done nowadays, uh, and the differences there. Is that is that a struggle? Yeah, it's not really. It's it's not too much of a struggle because what a lot of things that people don't realize is like these bands, even though they may have seemed popular back then, they really weren't able to do a whole lot. You know, they they there was a lot of gatekeepers back in the day. You know, and um, independent records back in the day you know they 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 weren't received as well there wasn't a lot of 
you know, Sierra Thunder never toured ever. And they right. never, they still haven't. Fuck. I mean, like we just fe- headline festivals and stuff like one-offs, like they've never, they never toured. They never left the state of California. It, oh, oh, they played in Mexico once in 82, but that's it. Like, like they never left the country or the state and it was regional gigs. And it was like, they told me that before I managed the band, they, they never played a gig that didn't cost them money. So yeah, it's, it's really interesting, wow. man, you know, but uh, we, we, we like to always glorify the past as we do in, in, in horror cinema and all this stuff. It's like, right. we, we always, we always look back on the past with rose tinted glasses, whether it's your ex-girlfriend or your favorite band from the eighties, you know, Right. But they were probably smoking crack, both of them. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. you know? Together. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Well, well, speaking of glorifying bands, um, what was the first band you remember really liking? You know, um, the first LP I got, um, I, so I was born in 81. So the first LP I got was like in the mid 80s. when I started listening to music really young because my dad, was in a, his first band with Michael Anthony from Van Halen. So they were like, he was like a family friend. Wow. So like Van, Van Halen was kind of the soundtrack of my life, but like of my youth, sorry. Uh, but like, it's kind of like when you're young, it's like what your parents like, is it cool, right? So it's like, you know, uh, so uh, not that I, I did, I did dig Van Halen, but um, Oingo Boingo, um, it was, um, was it No Spilled Blood, I think. Uh, yeah, that record I had. And it was the only LP I had. I listened to it for two years, but I, I didn't realize the speeds on the turntable. So I was listening, it was at 45 RPM, 12 inch, and I listened to it at a 33. So it was like, it was insane. It was just like, who do you want to do <laughs> metal? <Yeah. laughs> and then I finally, you know, so, so it was, it was heavy, man. But, but then, you know, I got into like the California raisins and, uh, you know, uh, uh, things like that. Yeah, right. But uh, nice. I remember um, there was a there was a compilation a back like when infomercials first started called Freedom Rock, and like it was like oh yeah I remember that these, on TV yeah right yeah, yeah, yeah like, yes uh-huh. it, it had this it had this like hippie guy or like kind of easy rider guy in the ad and he's like freedom rock man turn it up right (laughs) so like i begged my parents to buy it and they're like dude this is the songs we had in high school you know and so it was really i hate to say this is very cliche but smoke on the water like you know like uh, when you're eight years old it's like the build-up of the the riff and then the hi-hats come in and then the, the kick drum comes in and then the organ comes. It's just that buildup. My parents would like leave me home alone and I would just turn that up as loud as it could go and pretend I was, you know, Ian Pace or something. And <laughs> that's kind of where it started. And then I got into uh, like, like hardcore punk and started going to, to shows because in Southern California back then, you know, before the Internet, if you're not in like L.A. Central, you're pretty isolated, you know, and and uh you know, I know Vic, too, like lives on the, kind of the outskirts of the Cleveland area, you know, so it's like you kind of just exposed to what's on TV or what the, right. your friend's older brother down the street gives you, you know. So yeah. um, I started getting into going to punk shows and going, man, this is crazy. And like there was all this stuff. But back then, the punk and the metal thing was very split. It, they, 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 you know, if you had long hair, you you probably get beat up, you know. So um, right. I. uh 
but I love the DIYness and the energy of it and all that. And then I got into, you know, Metallica, Maiden, Megadeth, ACDC, stuff like that. And then that introduced me to the new wave of British heavy metal and the rest is history. So yeah. that's just, I don't know. There's a lot of influences, but that, if I remember, that was the path. Boingo, Boingo, California Races, Deep Purple, Punk, Metal. You know, <laughs> freedom rock, yeah, right. freedom, freedom rock. rock. Yeah. Um, good trajectory yeah, because you can really hear that punk style and influence in Night Demon as well. Sure, you know, you know? I, mean, I think it's part of our DNA. Like we grew up playing, and you know, my first bands were heavy metal bands, and we had nobody to play with but punk bands. And so <laughs> I think we just these were all my friends were in punk bands, and we we kind of just they respected us because we brought a little bit more musicianship to the scene, but. Right. You know, it's longer younger. I was 13 years old, you know, and, and I just remember being I was just astounded that these guys were putting out their own records. Like they're like, fuck it, we don't need a label, we don't need any of that. Like we're putting out records. And it was like, holy shit, like you could do that, you know, it was crazy. And so I think a lot of that stuff, and then hardcore and like um like hardcore punk started to get a little more metal um with the chromags and agnostic front and stuff, and then into the 90s, and then even like punk rock turned to like new school punk which was kind of bubble gummy but besides like the green days and the offsprings that were on mtv and the radio the like whole fat record scene was really fast and they had bands like no effects lag wagon they're playing guitar solos and stuff so it's like right. when i heard that stuff i was kind of like okay you know like there's there's something there's something more happening here and so i think all of that stuff just you know in your developmental years if you're around it it's gonna it's gonna seep into your dna somehow you know yeah um you know that you mentioned that can you talk a little bit about your personal evolution as a musician i mean all these influences are coming in you're mm -hmm. in these very different bands and night demon kind of encompasses this but how has that changed you or helped you evolve as a musician yeah so i mean i basically came from the school of metallica so um i, w I grew up in a like a christian school my parents weren't religious but they sent me I was getting into like fights and stuff in public school, like really early on, I was seven, eight years old and things were just not going well. So they, they had to pony up some cash to put me in a, in a Christian school. And I basically grew up with the same 20 or 30 kids from like age eight to like 14. And it was pretty cool. Actually, now that I look back on a lot of people are still good friends of mine. It was a good environment to grow up in. The education was better. I mean, but you know, you had to learn about the Bible and shit. And if you didn't, if you didn't, there was a lot of things looking back on it. it like that shit does not age well, man. You know? <laughs> like, I mean, dude, there were like kids in our class that like are, that we knew were gay. And like, we're constantly being told that like, like that is wrong. And like, you could see on their face that they believed it was wrong. You know, they believed yeah. but it was wrong, but like what's wrong with me kind of thing, you know? Right. So a lot of shit. But anyway, the, the short story of that is when I was in the eighth grade, they showed us a three hour video, a documentary called Hell's Bells. And you can actually find it on YouTube. Now, I recommend watching it because it was basically in the height of the satanic panic, or at least at the tail end of it. And it's really like what got me into everything. Like I, I was... I had known popular stuff, Guns N' Roses, Metallica, Alice in Chains, and of course the Van Halen stuff. But like, man, when they showed us this stuff, like basically what happened is the, the next day at school, most of the class brought like their CDs to school and their tapes. And like they had a big record smashing party with hammers and all this stuff. And me and two other guys were like, dude, 
this is amazing. Like, we need to get this, we need to get into this, you know? So like, cause they had showed us, they had broken down songs like Metallica's Fade to Black, it's about suicide. We're like, oh, we didn't even know that song. All we know is Enter Sandman, you know? ACDC, Hell's Bells, oh fuck, we didn't even know about that. We only know Thunderstruck, you know? Stairway to Heaven, here's it backwards. We're like, holy fuck, you know? Let's grab our parents' Zeppelin <laughs> So everybody brought their CDs and tapes to smash and uh, we made a bomb. Actually, we made our first bomb that day. And uh, so, so we, we went out behind the church and got high and started a band. We, so that was it. We started a band. And um, Well, that blew up in our face, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We started a metal band called Black Opal. And that was in, that was in the fall of 93. And we graduated from the eighth grade from junior high in 94. And they do a talent show every year in April. And we played at the talent show. So at the school, we've been going to our whole lives. And we, we debuted there. It was my first live performance. We played one song. We played Anarchy in the UK, like the Megadeth version, you know. <laughs> and uh, and at the school's called St. John's. So at the end of it, I said, St. John's will be destroyed. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like the students loved it, you know. But I got like, you know, in trouble for that shit. So like we knew. We knew there was some rebellion to it, and we were happy with that. So I, I was playing heavy metal like, like that up through high school, and um, I started promoting concerts out of high school, a lot of bigger shows. I basically had a college fund that my, my grandparents had started for me at Home Savings Bank in 1981. They had put like a couple thousand dollars into it. So when I was 18, by 99, it was like fucking thousands of dollars you know and there it was like back then you know interest rates like they meant something right and uh uh i decided not to go to college and i went to rock and roll college and i heard that ufo was going to reunite with pete way and michael shanker and so i bankrolled the west coast tour like i was 17 and i was like that's my favorite band and i helped put on those shows and they did a live record um on the covenant record that i was a part of um up in santa cruz and like to have my name on those credits at 17 years old like i was like this is great i lost a bunch of money but like it was it was my birth into rock and roll and i started just meeting more people and and doing way more concerts king diamond merciful fate slayer um i was 17 you know and at the time this stuff was dead the new metal thing was big if you played a guitar solo you were dead man i did motorhead and deal once and i got 500 people at the show you know and that was like my biggest success but anyway i got into that the the metal thing was getting just way too aggro for me like i remember i promoted fear factory once on their third record and i did like a thousand people and the week the week before i did wasp with 50 people and i was just like man like I don't really like this this shit and I'm not in it for the money. So I kind of got out of metal because I didn't see where, you know, again, like it was before high speed internet, you know, it was before I didn't know about any other subcultures that were coming up or anything. And, and I started playing in more punk rock bands and, and I was touring a lot with other bands and I was working, I was a guitar tech for Dick Dale for a long time. I did a lot of different shit. Uh, I, uh, and then actually I started a, um, like a fifties rock band doing like doo-wop stuff and then early rockabilly. And then like, I had a full solo career as like a soul singer. And I was like this white James Brown of like Spain and Germany from like 2008 to like 2013. So I actually, actually stopped. I, Night Demon was a band before I stopped doing that, but, um, I'm trying, sorry, I'm trying to, 
I'm talking a lot, but there's a lot here, and I'm trying to con- I'm trying to condense it. I'm trying to condense it because there's a lot. No more. worries. That's, no, that's, that's good, man. We we got problem, time. Man. We're we're happy to hear it. Yeah. I mean, this is a pretty yeah. pretty storied career, and a, like, a lot <laughs> yeah. of things that I don't think any of us were expecting. No. Yeah. yeah. So so basically, I mean, you know, I, the white yeah. James Brown. I mean, that's pretty awesome. <laughs> I'm like imagining yeah. you in like this like white tux, like getting out of a hot tub and how you know. I mean, <laughs> you know? Actually, there there was a white tuxedo. Uh, <laughs> there yeah. I, I used to do three wardrobe changes per show. Yeah. So, um, but in 2011, I started Night Demon with two friends of mine that love the new wave of British heavy metal from Ventura, California, and. We just didn't think anybody was going to give a fuck. So we just said, let's just do it for ourselves. We're not trying to play shows or be a real band or anything. So we had four rehearsals. Each rehearsal, we wrote a song. And on the fifth rehearsal, we recorded what's now known as the debut EP, the first four songs of the band. And um, we didn't do anything for about a year. And but we had made like a couple CDRs and like gave them to some friends and people kept spreading it around and basically saying like, Hey, I think this is really good. But it was weird. Cause it was people that didn't really listen to metal. It wasn't metal heads. They're kind of like, Oh, this is, this is heavy metal. And we're like, yeah, it's basically classic rock, you know, like, you know, so, Oh, it's got some melody in it, but it's kind of heavy. You know, it's cool. So, um, we decided to pick it up a year later and just go out and play a gig. And then we said, well, let's just put this on a seven inch. So we, we got a seven inch pressed and we, we made sure we did it all old school and had like offset printing and it was all black and white. The recording was very vintage too. And we ended up sending it off to a couple of people in Europe that I'd found on the internet. And like, I even like, we basically tried to fake people out and say, hey, it's a band from 1981, like that you never heard called Night Demon. And like I got some like coffee and like spilled it on the sleeve, you know, like and, yeah, yeah. The old map making. Yeah, exactly. yeah, right, right, right. Yeah. The relicking, you know, as they call yeah. it in the guitar world. Uh, but there was a guy who ran a website, New Wave for British Heavy Metal dot com. And we said I just contacted him and sent and, and I was going to send him a download of the EP. And I said, hey, uh, um there's a band from the early eighties from England called night demon. And, you know, I think you should hear them. And he's like, Oh yeah, no, I haven't heard them. They're not, they're not new British heavy metal. And I go, yeah, no, they are. And uh, they made this EP and you know, nobody's ever heard it. And he's all bullshit. I know all bands. And I was like, I was like, no, no, I don't think you know this one. It's like really, really rare. And he's like, nah, bullshit. I know every fucking band from that. I know them all, like every band that never left the garage. And I go, yeah, I don't know, man. And he's like, well, just send it to me. So I sent it to him and he hit me up immediately. He's like, what do you fucking know about this? You know? And I was like, I was like, I was like, all right, it's, yeah, you're right. It's, it's us, you know? I just wanted to see if I could get it by you. Will it, will it pass the litmus test of, you know, uh, a vintage band, you know, and recording. And, uh, and he's like, yeah, you really fooled me. And he's, he said, do you mind if I stream this on my website? And I said, yeah. So he did. And, you know, 10 years later, here we are. I mean, it, it kind of, I don't want to say it was overnight, but like, you know, it was weird. Like label offers came in the very next day, festival offers to go play in Europe and stuff. And I mean, you know, not for big money or anything. I mean, bedroom labels and, you know, whatever, but, but good festivals. And to me, it was like a really big deal, you know? So, you know, I'm, 
I was 30 years old at the time and I had worked at a job that I hated for years and touring for me became a vacation and I was just severely depressed and almost suicidal at times and just thought like I'm stuck doing something I hate. I really want to just be who I am as a musician and I just didn't have the confidence. I didn't feel I had any skills. You know, I didn't go to college. I spent all my money on bringing bands over from Europe and shit and uh, you know, I just kind of like lost hope there for a bit, but, but when this happened, I said, okay, this is a sign from above. This is my shot. So when I was 30, all my friends and bands were, were quitting bands and they were getting married and having kids. And it's weird because they, they weren't like, you could be married and have kids and still fucking rock, you know, but a lot of my friends just, they, they just didn't see it that way. And, and so I had to distance myself a bit and say to the guys in the band, like, look, we got something good going here. I'm willing to go all the way with it. Are you willing to do it too? And our guitar player was, our drummer wasn't. So that's fine. We got a new drummer and we quit our jobs and went on the road with no money and ended up at Vic's house. And our roadie <laughs> had bed bugs and fucking... <laughs> Got it all over Vic's place with this newborn kid there. And, and like, that was like the, that's the cleanest story we have. (laughs) (laughs) But no, no, it's like, like I said, there's so much shit and I'm just trying to put it in, I'm trying to condense it as much as I can. That like, it's one of those things that, you know, you're just never too old to, to just change it all around. I, I had to, I had to go to the, get to the point where it's like, yeah, I'm going to be judged by my family and friends, possibly my significant other, all that stuff. You know, I might be, you know, we were homeless for four years in the last decade. We were fucking straight homeless. So our theory though, was like, if, if we, if we, if we're always on the road, nobody will give us a job anyway. Right. You know, and that's kind of what we did. It was really hard at a lot a lot of times but it was worth the sacrifice you know to be where we're at now so um you know i just i just say for anybody out there that has a passion for something like even as a side hustle just do it if you can work eight hours a day for somebody you can work two hours a day for yourself you know that shit adds up that shit adds up don't just save it for the weekend put the extra time in every night just do it just do a little bit of it you know and you, you know, like you, you, you just become, you just become the, the person that, that you want to, that you really, that you, not that you want to be the person that, you know, who you really are, you know, we're all, right. we're all, we're all somebody inside. We all know, we all know who that person is. It's the other people around us. And sometimes it's the people closest to you that it's not that they don't care about you. It's just, they're not doing that. And so they're not, inadvertently they might not be as supportive they're not trying to hold you back it's just a natural reaction it's part of human nature and you got to block that noise out and and just know eventually you get you get there you're just allowing yourself to be yourself yeah yeah absolutely how did this pan into the 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 management company because you just recently started that what in the past decade at least i I can't yeah yeah how did that how did that kind of coming from night demon how did that kind of open up the the opportunities for you to start managing bands and can you can you you know discuss some of your clients 
Yeah, so that was a really slow build. I never wanted to be a band manager. Like, I just was never interested. It's, you know, it's hard enough to wrangle your own guys in a band. Yeah, right. You know, I mean, it's, <laughs> you know, that's one of the great things about being in a three-piece band. It's a lot easier. It's then even adding even four guys. It's tough because right. you can always have a two-on-two battle in a three-piece. So there's always a clear winner you know so yeah. like uh but so we were on we were on tour and we were in salt lake city and we were playing with the band called visigoth and we have been friends with these guys for a while and it was like probably our third time there i think it was like 2015 and they were they were about to make all these decisions like they're they were going to sign with this booking agent in la and they were going to sign this other record deal and they were going to go to Europe with some other promoter. And me personally, at that point, I had known each of these people that they were going to work with. And they were literally like the worst people in the business. Like they, they like the biggest con artist. And here are these guys in Salt Lake City, Utah, which is basically an island with no water around it. You know, um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, at they, how are they supposed to know, you know? Right. But here are people giving them some opportunities. So I just said, look, uh, let me manage your band. Let's just see how it goes. I want to manage your band. And I will get, if you want those things, let me at least try and get you somebody better in all of those areas, you know? And they were like, they, they thought about it. And then they asked somebody I knew who we, we mutually knew. And that person told me later that he told them that if Jarvis says he's going to do something, he's going to do it. And I thought, okay, cool. So uh, that it all started from there. And then the next thing was reuniting Sarah Thungle a couple of years later, they basically said, you have to be our manager. And I said, okay. And obviously nobody was going to do a better job than it than me. I spent a decade trying to reunite them. We were already close friends, you know, and then from there, I think the word just kind of got out, you know, and I started putting on festivals and then other bands would start approaching me and kind of looking for things. And I've always been a guy that, you know, before Night Demon, I used to charge bands to consult and it was it was pretty good. It was it was it was a good supplemental income. And I really worked with a lot of bands. But I mean, I've been in the music industry pretty much my whole life, but what I noticed is I felt really bad because I would take bands money, but they would never ever do what I said. Like not to the, <laughs> they, they, they would, they would do about 60%, but it would, when it came to things like, dude, your band name sucks. I'm sorry. Oh, but right. like my, my girlfriend created it. Like, I know, I know, but listen, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, but it's like, look, like this is what the people that you want to work with are telling me. You know what I'm saying? Right. Or like, I know that you're like, you just got to rethink some things. And so I always felt bad taking money from bands. I mean, our time is worth money. I'll say that all of us, you know, um, that's a common thing in music that especially in the underground scene that everybody will always make you feel bad for, for getting paid for your time and hard work. <laughs> right, fuck, right. You know, I mean, it's just, it's fucking insane. You know, anytime I talk about making money with the bands, I, I always feel a little like, you know, who's over this, this guy's got his greedy hands and heavy metal. It's not about that. Well, yeah, I know, but it's like, come on, you know, like I can't do the heavy metal if I, if I can't eat. Right. So, um, yeah. 
any anyway, uh, um, where was I with that? Uh, yeah, so so I started managing bands. Bands started coming to me, and there was, you know, what? But what I did is, and I still do it to this day. When a band comes to me with advice or for advice, I'll always give it to them for free. I'll always reply to them. Band, a band the other day asked me to manage them, and I was just like, yeah, no, I don't have, I mean, I really don't have any more time. I, I, I don't. But I said, hey, maybe this guy can. Or like, you know, a lot of things I ask bands is like, what do you really want? What are you trying to do? You know, and it, most bands will say like, oh, we want to be on tour. It's like, yeah, that doesn't, that doesn't answer anything for me. Like, when, <laughs> when do you, like, yeah, like, when do you want to tour? How many days of the year? Where do you want to go? How much money do you expect to make? Who do you want to play for? Like, give me the whole, get, let's, let's get specific about things. Once you do that, it's so easy to make things happen. You know, it really is. But just the whole thing, like, we need a manager, so we, have to, so we don't have to do any more heavy lifting because we're not getting anywhere doing it. That's kind of the attitude, you know? Right. So, so you know, for me, I feel like um, less is more. You know, I was approached to manage a really, really big band last year. And I knew that if I did that, I'd pretty much have to quit everything else. And like, I'm just not interested in that. I, right. I The bands that I represent are like, Visigoth, Sirithungal, Night Demon, Satan, Midnight. And, um, you know, I mean, like, they're just important to me. They're, we're all friends. And like, I think these bands have a good place in history. We're all in the same genre, but kind of all in different we're all different from each other and everything just works well. And it's like, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't need anymore, but, but I'm, I'm here to help anybody who needs right. that guidance. You know, it's like, I, I would love, like, I think that, you know, especially with the internet that there's so many conflicting things that you, they say information is free, but it's only free for the narrative that you want to hear. You know, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like how many times have you gone on the internet and, and looked for an answer and found the wrong answer and go, ah, let me find the right one. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, yep. yeah, you know, so, so yeah, I, 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 if I could take it all back, I don't know if I'd be a manager again, to be honest. Fair enough. You know, I, I like playing. I like creating management is a very creative thing, but I do also feel a sense of responsibility. There's the, these guys, the guys in these bands really need me. They really do. And like, I fill in a space that they, that where, where I need it. And that's cool. You know, right. I'm not just I see a lot of managers. They really just try and rack up clients and and commission things, you know, but I think the best the best person of any job is somebody who does the job. Right. So there's, you know, most uh, there's most managers are not in bands or they haven't even been in bands. They, they have a vast knowledge right. of the business and they have a lot of relationships, you know, but they haven't gotten in the van to do it. They haven't written a song. So. You know, it's like, it's just, it's, it's, if you're the manager of McDonald's, you better know how to fry some fucking fries, you know? Right. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Nice. Well, you know, from early on, you were meeting a, a whole tons of all these bands, you know, ones that I'm sure you admired who were, who were musical heroes of yours. Can you tell some of those stories of like a few people you've met specifically when you were young, <laughs> who you were fans of and how, yeah. how that meeting was like for you as a fan yeah totally the the first besides the van halen guys which are like yeah. you know in the family that, that 
you know, I mean, now you think about it, it's like, fuck, you know, like <laughs> if I could beat one, if I could beat one bad, it would be them, especially in the eighties. Right. So right. Uh, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't think about it then like that, you know, uh, but Rob Halford was the first rock star I met uh, when I was 16. I ended up getting backstage passes to his first solo show at the Roxy. And um, it's because I want tickets on the radio and they didn't have my tickets. And the door guy gave me a backstage pass. <laughs> I just walked up there and he, he was really nice, you know. Um, but, what, but in my career, you know, when, like I said, when I was 17, I started promoting big shows. That was tough, man. Like there was a thing, like I remember I brought Slayer to California and uh, Tom Araya came in the day before the show. He was sick and I was also sick. I had a cold. So like I borrowed my mom's minivan and we went to the doctor together and like we both got checked up and like and then, oh, we got some pills. And I remember the doctor told him like to not smoke weed anymore because he said his throat was scratchy. He's like, oh, I'm not going to do that. And then we went to we went to right. We went to Rite Aid to fill his prescription, and then we had to wait in the car for that. And we were listening to, to, to some music, and then we went to In and Out and just ate burgers in my car. And like, it's just when you're young, it's like, what the fuck? This is just it's crazy, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> but there's plenty of other rock star stories where you know they say don't meet your heroes. Like, man, I've been extremely disappointed when, especially when I was younger. But I was doing business with these bands, you know. You know, I mean, I think I remember when the cult reunited, I was part of a big, big block of shows and I loved the band. And they were like, who's the 17 year old kid, you know? And I'm just like, well, I'm the guy paying you fucking 30 grand a night, <laughs> you know, like, right. Yeah. You, you know, like the things are going well, but a lot of the crews and the management and agencies and production of bands like that had a hard time taking you seriously, especially when you're, hiring uh riggers for safety and you got fly points and pa and and lighting and semi trucks you know but i was on i was on top of it i, I knew what was going on it was just when you're young there's just a barrier to entry sometimes you know you just want to get older and then you get old and you're like fuck you know right you're like god you're like fuck i should have fucking appreciated that more but um when i started when when night demon started going that's when things when you know, I mean, shit, you play one festival and you're like, there's that guy, there's that guy, there's that guy, there's that guy. You know, it's like, it's like, did you see me on stage? Like, did you, did they see me play? Did they care? You know, like you're in the catering tent and you're like sandwiched between, you know, like fucking, you know, Udo D Dirk Schneider and like fucking, you know, Sebastian Bach or something. And you're just like, I like, you know, and they're, and they're arguing or something. And you're like, <laughs> like you're just eating steak. Yeah. So that shit's cool. But really when you start playing with bands like our first tour was with raven and we had played some regional shows with them and then we did a festival in europe with them and somehow we just like became friends and we decided hey let's book a europe uh u.s tour so we went on a tour of 50 shows in the u.s it was our first tour and they didn't have a booking agent at the time neither did i neither did we and uh we kind of put it together ourselves, you know, but with, with the, how Nighting was coming up and with Raven's legacy, you know, we were able to kind of sandwich things together. And, you know, one night we'd be playing at the whiskey a go-go for a few thousand dollars, you know, and the next night we'd be in Boise, Idaho for like 300 bucks, you know, like right. it's like, but it was a great, it was great. Everybody was down for the cause and it was a real thing, but 
So I remember the first time it happened when I was, we were at rehearsal and my phone rings and I was like, oh my God, guys, it's John Gallagher from Raven. Why is he calling me? All this, you know, and like, we made it, we made it. <laughs> and then halfway through the tour, we're driving, you know, and it's like, it's John. Should I answer it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 you know, like, so I think everything becomes a reality at some point in your life, you know? I mean, it's, everything just gets leveled out and then you walk more and more and you forget kind of where you are. That's why you always have to, I can't remember what, what movie it was. Maybe it's an Adam Sandler movie or one of those dumb joke ball nineties jock movies, but like uh, that I love, but like um, something like, you know, your, your 12 year old self would kick your own ass right now. If you heard what you were saying, you know what I'm saying? Like sometimes we have to, we have to live in that childlike wonder, you know, like we have to just go, Hey, wait a minute, you know, world war three is happening. There's a pandemic life ain't so fucking bad. (laughs) It really, you know, I mean, we're able to sit here and communicate like this and talk about metal and stuff, you know? So, um, yeah. So I think, uh, you know, but there's that, like I said, the list goes on and on. There's plenty of people. And now I really just, I don't really look like, look up to so many people anymore that are where my heroes or celebrities or famous musicians. I looked to, up to a lot of like smart business people and people that have like ethical business practices. I really look up to those people now being an independent businessman and going, that guy's doing it right. That guy's over delivering to his customers. He's treating his clients right. And he can go to sleep at night. He's good to his family. You know, like that, those are the people I admire, but I'll tell you something. When James Hetfield walks into a room, like you could say whatever you want about that guy, dude, you know, about him wearing flip flops and shopping at fucking <laughs> department stores. When that guy walks into a room, you're like, holy fuck. You know what I'm saying? When Ozzy walks into a room and you're there, it's just these, these people are just, they're real forces in nature, man. And be like, and you get back, you're 11 years old again. And you're just like, you're just like, Oh fuck, man. You know, fuck. <laughs> you know? he looked at me. You know? like, so, yeah. Really? 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 No, that's, that's awesome. That's, uh, that's fantastic. Um, you, you gotta tell us, man, tell us like the craziest road story that that you can remember i mean you've spent so much time on the road we love hearing those things man bring it bring it all right one time uh this is uh i i ah fuck should i say it of course yes (laughs) yes you should jarvis i won't say the band because and man, as clickbait culture, I swear. I mean, it'd probably be great for your podcast if it ends up on Blabbermouth. But like, uh, if you want to keep names shows, on it, but that's okay. You can just say a certain yeah, band. That's totally I, cool with us. Yeah. Okay. We're not, we don't. We're not a, trying to get anyone thrown on the bus. Yeah, we just yeah. like to hear good stories. I had done a show with um, a popular '80s uh, crossover band that did one album in the eighties that was somewhat of a super group. Okay. I'm giving throw, I'm dropping hints here. Okay. 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 <laughs> and they did, an al- they did an album. They did a second album uh, in the, I want to say in the year 2000, 2001. Yep. Yes, okay? they did. And, and, uh, Vic's got it. and, uh, and, uh, 
the agent was a guy who I had known who was selling me my first shows. And I used to do shows at like this laser tag place and he would sell me a bunch of punk shows, but I get the metal shows for this bigger place. And I did this show to me. It was kind of a big deal. It was kind of a reunion of this band. And, um, uh, the singer went on to sing in another, in another kind of band that has almost the same moniker, but he, I walked him into the <laughs> venue. I walked it, I walked him into the venue and it was, I put him in this theater that was like 1250 seat theater. And the guy's like, Holy fuck, you could fit fucking 10,000 people in here. This show's going to fucking suck, you know? And I was like, nah, dude, it's going to be cool. It's going to be cool. Um, anyway, uh, I had a bunch of local openers on the show and, uh, and, um, one of the bands was a band called Out of Hand. They were from like the central California coast. They were always a great band because, you know, back in the day, you'd have to do the pay to play thing a lot where bands would sell tickets, you know, but they got, you give them cheaper, cheaper tickets and they get people to come. It's kind of a guarantee. It helps you be able to bring in national acts to a secondary market, you know, where you can afford it. Right. So um, they brought this girl with them. Um, I just went, they were friends of mine. I went to say hi, kind of the backstage of this venue had two levels. So I put them in like one of the rooms in the middle level. So I go back there and they're like, what's up? Have a beer. And I was like, yeah, cool. And there was this girl in there and she was, she was on her knees, like with her hand in her jeans and like, she was sucking this guy off and like was playing with herself. And these guys were like, like just all what's been going on and i was like <laughs> the room the room it was like a fucking 10 by 8 room and i was all what the fuck is going on with you guys you know and they're like oh that's so and so she's just like total nymphomaniac and that's our new drummer like who the guy getting his dick sucked i go okay so and she's just like making all these noises and and then she starts, going to, sounds. she starts going to, then she goes to this, she's still on her knees and stops and goes to the other, the bass player, pulls his pants down. He's like, oh, fuck, okay. And I was just like, <laughs> all right. You know? So anyway, this happens. I'll go, all right, cool. Just kind of like, you know, keep things under control here. You know, don't bring that on the stage, whatever, you know. And then they play their set. Everything's fine. There was another band on tour with this this so-called headliner that I'm, that I'm talking about and um, everything went good. The show went great. The agent who sold me the show is the guy from New York. He's recently been, uh, I guess, canceled for um, sexist, misogynist uh, claims of, you know, grooming young women and stuff like this. And he now lives in Thailand. I'm dropping dropping as many hints here as I can. Okay? <laughs> yeah, yep. And yep. I know that guy too. <laughs> and and he, but he's you know he's a legend in his own right. I mean he's 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 booked some of the best metal and punk bands through history and really in the lean years too. I mean he um, he was great at his job. I butted head with heads with him a lot, especially when I was younger. But we always did business together, you know, and yeah. uh, but he was always kind of a horn dog guy, you know. And um, so we went after the show and had a drink and I actually paid him the money for the show. And then we went to the backstage after the show where this headlining band was up in their dressing room. OK, 
And sure enough, who do I see up there? The fucking nymphomaniac chick, right? <laughs> and I don't, the band, Out of Hand, they're called Out of Hand, funny enough, they're called Out of Hand, the opening <laughs> band that brought this girl. They're like nowhere to be found. They look like three hours away. I actually think that they split. They left. They like left her there. But so what I'm going, the scene that I walk into is not her sucking some guys off that are in this heavy metal hardcore crossover super group with three initials. Um, <laughs> what she's, what I see is she is full on butt naked against the wall like she's going to be frisked. But the band, now the upstairs dressing room is a lot larger, okay? But the band is on the other side of the room throwing fucking deli meat on her ass, like trying to get to stick to her ass. And like, it is incredible. Like, uh, you know, so, uh, and, and then, and then the agent uh, joined in and I believe he had a video camera. This is before uh, like, like the cell phone camera thing. So that's, that's a story that I could, that I could, that I could tell um, kind of like on air, you know, there's been some, there's been some gnarlier, gnarlier shit, but like, I'm not really proud of that stuff. You know, that's just one, that's just one that comes to mind, but you know, Pin the baloney on the nympho. So, all right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you yeah, win. That's a winner. Sam's caught out of hand, but yet she had everybody in her hands. Yeah. 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 The baloney has a first name. the funny thing is the funny thing is uh a member of this band actually had mentioned before um about about a very another very very famous band eating bologna on hand when they first started when they did a cross-country so, trip from either the East Coast or the West guys, Coast. I'm not quite sure. You guys and, have uh, picked this up, right? You guys know who he's talking about, right? Yeah. Nope. yeah. It, so, it's killing me if you don't. There you go. Thanks. Well, and, that's good. Know. And now I'm thinking, like, Dribble oh, and I should have gotten into a band back then so playing all that D&D. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah. I love bologna. Yeah, yeah. exactly. We yeah. appreciate the deli wench. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the deli wench. The deli wench. That's a good thing for a band. I think we should I start never, that now. I would never buy bologna for bands, though. It would always be like, <laughs> I, it would always be fresh deli meat cut sliced. Yeah. You know, right, pro- right. no processed bullshit. You know, <laughs> sticks to the skin better. We, we were, we were, yeah. we were. A it rubs the bologna on its skin. Yeah. You know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, that's or, great! Or it gets the cold cuts again. Um, oh, that's that's fantastic, Jarvis. What's the thing that you love most about being in a famous band? I'm not in a famous band. I'm in a uh, I'm in a, a, a respected, a, an emerging, band. respected, successful. Yeah, band. I'm in a respected band, and that's that's good enough for me. The best thing about it, the most gratifying thing about it, is. Uh, the fact that we've been able to kick some doors open for other bands, you know, and like Vic is one of the first guys that ever did anything for us. We could come to Cleveland and we were, we we had a show in Akron and we had, we knew nobody. We were, we were sleeping in a Walmart parking lot and it was like, uh, it was fucking, you know, October or November And the, the lake effect comes in, right? So it starts to snow. And it's just like, I didn't even know, like, our feet are going to fall off, you know? And um, 
And we ended up hooking up with Vic and his other uh, buddies, uh, Marshall and Alyssa, great couple, Marshall and Alyssa Law. And, uh, you know, like they opened their doors to us. And, you know, who knew we would go on to record a triple live album in Cleveland and have this great fan base there. You know, we, we didn't know that. But, but what I'm saying is it was moments like that. I mean, there's so many people like this that have helped us along the way. But the best thing about being in a band like this is like, like we sacrificed everything. We never gave it up. And we showed a lot of bands on our level or that were on no level right. that they could do it. And they, they've done it. There's been so many that have come after us. So our thing was, we always said, you know, we're not here to compete. We're here to, to inspire. And that's the best legacy we could ever have. Cause like our fans love our music. It's not about, you know, we need the most fans. You know, the bands that have the most fans suck. You know, like the bad, the people have bad taste in this world. You know, like I'm not, right. I don't need, I don't need, you know, I don't need the, it's just a fact. You know, I, I don't, I want people that love what we do. If they're there, that's fine. They're the most important people. But I want to, I want other people that aspire to do this to be able to use what we do as a blueprint and know that they can. And that's right. it. That's yeah. great. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's music has the way music has been produced now and released. There's a complete disruption of the, of that supply chain. You know, you don't need necessarily to be on a label. You got band camp, you got people, you know, things mm -hmm. like that where, you know, it's just like the publishing world. KDP has disrupted traditional publishing. And so it, it is wide open for people who have some talent and can put themselves out there. The opportunities are there. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think the people that that want to commit to their passions in life, there's there's nothing that can get in their way. It's just it's a it's a it's a numbers game and it's a longevity game. You just got to stick around long enough. You just got to keep going. Yep. You don't you like you never know when you never know when that tipping point's going to happen. And it's usually not. See, we're in this culture where everybody is taught that they should be famous. You know, you have to be an influencer. You have to have more likes. You have to have a million followers. You go on a singing competition and you're famous. And if you don't make it, you're nobody. It's just not true. You know, it's not true. You can be somebody. I mean, come on. There's so many subcultures of popular music that we don't probably even know about. That's way more popular than anything we know, you know, and like, we don't have to know about it. You know, like it's fine. Everybody can everybody can like what they like now without the mainstream totally like making them feel dumb, you know? Right. So yeah. So that's kind of the way I see it. It's, you're no longer there's there's a there's a shorter barrier to entry now. You're no longer um your your exposure is no longer dictated to your your geographics. If that makes sense, you're right. We're all connected, mm -hmm. you know. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. So it does. Yeah. It's just I don't know, man. I, I try not to sound like a complainer or anything. You know, I try, I try to be positive through the whole thing. But no, you are. You're uh, coming off as of saying, "Look, anyone can do it," and, and you're trying yeah, to be yeah. that role model and saying, "Look, you know, we, you're willing to put the work in. You have the opportunity. It's you know, luck, luck and determination meet opportunity, and and that's really what what you're saying. John so Wooden. There we go. That's a good message. So that's John I want to switch. I want to, yep. There we go. I want to switch gears a little bit, and then you know you're a horror fan, so oh yeah, let's go. Yeah, let's let me let's hear some about you know your. I mean, he wore an HP Lovecraft shirt for this. Gig, oh, that's, so. that's funny. That's right. I yeah, I didn't realize. I didn't realize. <laughs> What's your favorite Lovecraft story? Ooh, uh, you know what's funny is like so I got into Lovecraft through like 
Metallica and Iron Maiden, right? And then I started, you know, renting VHS stuff at the video store, anything that said Lovecraft, and thought like, oh, he's a director, you know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then, and then, you know, it's like uh, my English teacher's like, oh yeah. He's an author, you know, read a book. And then I picked up a book <laughs> and I picked up a Lovecraft book, like of short stories, like, a, you know, and uh, yeah. I was like, I, I, I need, I need a, like a dictionary for, I, I don't understand a word. Like it was just hard for oh. me to follow my, my street lingo, you know? Um, but I started getting more into it. Um, like later in life, I started actually, what's funny is like when I was a kid, I would read, the books that the movies were based on like from beyond or like the unnameable one and two were some of my favorite movies. And there was a, the story of uh, Randolph Carter, you know, I think that mm -hmm. was what was, that's what the unnameable was based upon. Um, uh, Dagon, yeah. stuff like that. Um, um, and like, there was all these spinoffs, all the Stuart Gordon films, you know, uh, even like castle freak and stuff like mm -hmm. this. And uh um, you know, I was reading Dunwich Horror, but what really got me into it, there was an art, an, another author, uh, Clark Ashton Smith, mm -hmm. and he was also from, you know, kind of around, around that era. And I started reading his stuff and I really connected with it. And I was like, man, I think I'm going to give the Lovecraft stuff another shot, you know? And then I really started getting into it and I was just like, holy fuck, man, some of this stuff, like the tomb, I'm just like. I wish I could write a story like that. Like that's just so I spend, I spend more time. I'm actually a screen students, a screenwriter more than I do music. It's kind of funny. Uh, that's just, it's a real big passion of mine. And, uh, uh, but I always think like, man, I wish I could write all these people are doing short films now, you know? And like, I wish I could write a short story like, like Lovecraft. It's just, it's, you think it's easier to write short, but it's it's not, man. It's not like you're. It's it's tough. So. He had chops from 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 early on. I, I got his anthology. I actually taught Lovecraft in, in a couple of my English classes. No shit. Yeah, no my shit. yeah my students um, had never read Lovecraft, had never experienced Lovecraft, and so here's the here's the cool paper I did. We we read some stories about Lo you know Lovecraft stories, Rats in the Walls, Call of Cthulhu, um, Shadow over mm -hmm. Innsmouth you know, color out of space. And then we, I, we analyzed those themes and then we applied them to King diamond albums and say, which, <laughs> really? what, which, which of Lovecraft's themes are in which of, you know, three King diamond albums. Yeah. That's the kind of shit I'd have my students do, you know? So one of my, and so students, all the King diamond albums are like concept directors, right? All exactly. Two, right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we did Abigail too. We did them. Mm -hmm. We did puppet masters. Okay. Um, and so one of my students uh, was a, a rabid twilight fan and she came up to me after class one time and she said professor justice i i you know after reading this lovecraft she said, i'm never going to be able to read twilight again and i said you're welcome <laughs> you know, so, you know, yeah um yeah yeah lovecraft's awesome lovecraft's great yeah i it's just i i took a tour of uh new england of providence you know i went on a lovecraft walking tour which is insane because they take you to all the spots he used to hang out man and where he lived and where he wrote certain stories and uh you know like you, you people are like uh hello like coming out of their house you know and it's like <laughs> uh or like brown universities like miskatonic university it's all so night demon has much of the same themes in our songs and our music our mascots have a backstory our mm -hmm. album covers they're all based on actual physical locations that we've given our own kind of 
uh, story and lore to and names, and it's because of Lovecraft. So. Oh, yeah, uh, Montag, I never told you this, but the original Rocky mask, do you know who made that? So their, their mascot's name's Rocky. Okay. Jarvis, tell him who made you the first one. Do you remember his name? I believe his name was Chris. Chris, sure. Really? Oh, no yeah. kidding. Nice. Yeah, so, he made the first Rocky mask, V1. Awesome. Oh, that is so yeah. cool. We, cool, we, yeah, we just, that was creepy, man. We pulled up in the dead of winter to this place in the middle of the fucking woods, man. And this guy comes out in a fucking cape. And <laughs> Chris. Hey, and, that's Chris. That's Chris. And he, and he had it on a fucking, like, this, this <laughs> styrofoam head that I was spray paint over. And he's just presenting it. And we're just like, is this the guy? But he's just like, he didn't say anything. He didn't, and he just kept walking up. And it was, just, it was right in front of my face. And I was like, it was a little like Texas Chainsaw. Yep. You know? But we ended up, yep. uh, you know, we, had, we, we, we talked about it over a, over a little a little grass. And it was nice. Really good, you know? so, yeah. That's good. Oh, that's Chris, awesome. Chris that's is a different cool. kind of cat, right? There. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh that's yeah. cool. What what was the scariest movies you remember as a kid? Like the ones that you watched that would just terrify the shit out of you? Well, see, I was having this conversation with my girlfriend recently because she is, uh, you know, a, a paranormal, uh, you know, ghost hunter, and she she she's a big horror fan, and she helps me a lot with the screenwriting, and we co-write a lot of horror stuff together. But she. I, I tell her about certain things. We have like a four-year age difference. And um, certain things, I guess, when you see them at certain times in your life, scare you more, I, I guess. But um, the Salem's Lot uh, was one of them. I thought that, you know, I thought when I was young and I thought the same thing when I saw The Exorcist, kind of like, this is fucking slow. Like, you know, like this is, you know, because my first things were like nightmare on Elm street and stuff like that. So I'm like, fuck dude, this is fucking like, it's there's action. It's fucking awesome. And there's docking and like, let's go, you know? <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, yeah. yes. But like, you, you know, but like I watched pet cemetery and then after that, it's like, okay, that, that the scene with the, the sister scared me the most in that movie. Yeah. The sister throwing up in her fucking, you know, like her decrepit body that scared the fuck out of me. And so after that, I said, I got to see everything. Stephen King. And again, like the Lovecraft thing, thinking, oh, he's right. the best director. He's the best filmmaker. You know, like not, you know, didn't know that he was writing books and everybody's butchering <laughs> his books, you know? So, so um, I watched Salem's Lot, that miniseries. And like, you know, it wasn't the, most people get scared about the, the kid floating outside the window. Mine was when you, you know, you wait fucking 80 minutes to see the vampire. And when you see him in that kitchen, Holy fuck! When he's holding that kid, and it's all fucking fangy, buck tooth motherfucker, like, and like, <laughs> like, 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 holy! I was fucking like, ah, I, I chills literally. Just my, I can feel the hair fall fucking head right now. Uh, but that freaked me out. Um, my Fright Night is is my second favorite movie of all time, and uh, it's so it's. There's so it's got a lot of tropes in there. You could um, a lot of things were taken. You could see the influence of Salem's Lot and stuff like this in that movie, but it's just to me, it's just, it's a it's a near perfect film, and and it has a very special place in my heart, you know. And, and it, it hits all the right buttons for me. So I'm really into that. I'm really into the '80s stuff. Not 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 necessarily campy. Like see, in the '80s with 35 millimeter film, 
you can have camp that can maybe have a serious tone. It's not, it's, you know what I'm saying? It's still the visual. It's because you're watching something. It still has that dream effect, you know? So like Night of the Creeps, uh, Monster Squad, you know, things like that. Like, I just like, those are the ones. They have the little one-liners. They've got yeah, some, yeah. some, they got cool music. They got some jokiness. They've got some happiness. They've got Return some of the Living Dead. Oh, oh, my oh, yeah. And, yeah. See, and people look at Return of the Living Dead now. It's like comical. Like I let me tell you, I it's, saw that movie when I was like six or seven years old. It was on TV, and I'll never forget the scene of the naked woman dancing on the car, and the acid rain starts to come down. I was just like, it scared the fuck. At first, I was like, oh my god, tits, and then I was like, holy shit, the scary. And like, <laughs> you know, come on, the zombies run so fast in that movie. And it ends on such a somber note. They nuke the yeah. fucking town. You know, it's like yeah, uh, and it spreads, the, right? You're just like, yep. oh, fuck, uh, yeah, it's getting right, bigger, right? Right? Yeah, yeah. Was, yeah the, the sequels can go fuck themselves, but yeah. like, yeah. but that uh, incredible film. Yeah, incredible the, the effects film. are great, really gory, incredible. But like, you know how like, sharp, funny. Yeah, you know how like when uh, when uh, Bert and uh, what's his face, uh, the main character guy, or the younger guy, they get sick, right? They get infected. And when they start getting sick, when they're in the crematorium and they're like doing the ah, ah, and it's like, it's like, that's so cheesy. But when you're watching it on 35 millimeter film with real sound and the, the vibe around it and the set, the set decoration was fantastic on that movie. It's not like if you watch that in 4K today, and somebody's doing that, you'd be like, this is junk. You know, I think, I think, right. so I think uh, great art will always take the maximum effort. Okay. So in any technology you live in back then, it took a lot of money. It took a lot of time, cutting tapes, splicing, editing. It was harder, but you got that result right now. It's so easy, but you better fucking act better. You know, you better do something different <laughs> right. with, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's my thing. There's no shortcuts, okay? It just doesn't fucking work, you know? And all this music, even now, that's that's cut and copied and pasted and triggered, and it's it's not going to stand up. It's not going to hold right. the test of time, okay? Yeah. Well, I remember yeah. a story I was watching uh, Return Living Dead in my apartment years ago, and my son was two years old. And I thought he was out sleeping. He was already asleep or whatever. That tar zombie scene comes up. <laughs> Well, he happened to be awake. Yeah. He, he happened to see that. And I'm sitting on a chair and he just backs up real slowly to dad. His heart is just going like that. Oh, yeah. That didn't go over too well with the mother. So, but, oh, uh, no. Yeah. Like, takes a chunk out of the dude's brain. Yeah. Out of a skull. God. What a great movie, man. Great what team. a great movie. Mm -hmm. Do you uh, remember your favorite Halloween costume as a kid? Yeah, it was Pee Wee Herman, actually. And it was right after he got caught jerking off. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That part of the costume? Nice. Yeah. No, no. See, I always wanted to be Trench Freddy Krueger. I always wanted to be Freddy Krueger. And my parents, like, were at, it was at that point where, like, they just weren't letting me watch horror films. I had to basically be sleeping over at a friend's house. And their parents went to bed. And then you go hit the Cinemax. And, like, you look for a horror movie. And then, like, Emmanuel comes on or Shannon <laughs> And you're like... Okay, I got a now I got a boner. I want to get here, but but, but 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 like yeah, I always want to be Freddy Krueger, and then my mom's all no, I'll let you be the Pee Wee's Playhouse guy. You know, I'll go fine. 
then he got caught jerking off. And I'm like, what now? You know? <laughs> so Make it like a high, make it honey home. Yeah. <laughs> but I remember I, I used to go to the baseball card shop, right? And my parents used to drop me off there. Here's a few bucks, buy some baseball cards. And this horror series, Fright Flicks, came out. And it was like this horror cards. And they had stickers. And I would collect those and just... I wouldn't show them. I just hide them under my bed. And like, it was great. They would have these facts on the back of these fake, you know, little tour tales. And, you know, that's kind of what got me into writing that. And like, you know, the Twilight Zone, it's like, they let me watch that. And that was like, that's still one. Of, that's probably my favorite show of all time. Um, just the great writing, you know, short, great short stories, you know, Richard Matheson, uh, you know, Ray Bradbury stuff. Uh, Charles Beaumont, you know, there's so many great, I, I just recommend anybody who's into uh, horror or science fiction literature and doesn't have a lot of time and wants to read some great short stories, go back to the guys who were writing in the 50s and 60s. You're going to find stuff that's like almost Orwellian and you're going to be like, holy fuck, man, these guys knew what the fuck time it was. You know, I say the same about music. Listen to stuff from the 60s and 70s and shit like that and get a get a get a good education of people that really honed their craft around that time and didn't have to rely on on, uh, you know, digital cheating. You know, it just wasn't available then. You know, were you uh, Jarvis? Were you a uh, night gallery and a Kolchak, the Night Stalker fan, too? Yeah, I yeah, it was I. I'm a night gallery fan as much as I'm like a Hitchcock presents fan. You know, I think they're always, they're all worth a watch and there's some good adaptations there, but nothing beats the original twilight zone. Nothing beats the original outer limits. Nothing beats the, uh, the uh, Hitchcock era, like 60 to 64 um, films, you know, nothing. It's just like, I just the things he was able to do telling a story with a camera and just like uh, here's a guy who looks out his window and thinks somebody's killing somebody and we're going to talk about it for 90 minutes and you're going to fucking pay attention and you do like <laughs> yeah. you know but it's, it's insane you know uh, but yeah I, I like you know I'll give anything a chance I watch the new Twilight Zone I watch the new Creep Show series I mean oh, I it's cool too. it's cool you know but you got to understand that the, the budgets behind the stuff. And I think everything today is just, even with bands, I mean, there's bands with no original members touring and doing stadiums. Like everything now is a franchise. Everything is a reboot. Um, there's a, it's all about IP now and about a name. And, you know, we all love that stuff because we're nostalgic for it. And we've burnt ourselves out on the originals because we've just loved it and watched it so much that we want the story to continue. But yeah. why? I mean, there's, not not everything has been done it hasn't you know and there's, yeah, there's I, made the, I made i made the mistake i made the mistake excuse me i made the mistake of watching the new texas chainsaw reboot. oh god oh my terrible. god was that horrendous oh it's what it's and and again like just call it why do they have to call it i see now this is what i don't get movie franchises using the same name again it's like yeah. there's three halloweens now they're called halloween like you gotta be able, so you just differentiate it by year. You have to look that up. Like at least give it a new fucking title, you know. Like, uh, you know, it's it's fucking crazy. So everything is about that 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 franchising and that name and that IP. Uh, yeah, you know, everything's about IP, and it's just it's just the world we're living in. You know, if you have if you have a name, there's 
name it's brand recognition is pretty much what it is and i get why but man there's just there's something to be said about like bands that stop at the right time and movie franchises that stop at the right time i mean like right. so i told you my second favorite movie is fright night my first favorite movie is back to the future you know oh, and man. uh it's just it's it's an incredible film the trilogy is great and i'm glad that they haven't fucked with it you know it's like they don't yeah there's to. there's talk about remaking i'm like no, no no don't don't fucking touch it just like jaws man i mean jaws was leave leave jaws you don't need to remake it and i mean i'd leave jaws at one movie jaws at one. least I, I mean, at least I could say with the Back to the Future trilogy, it's a solid fucking trilogy. It's yeah. like it stands up to fucking Star Wars and shit like that, you know? Oh, it's great fun. Um, well, in that kind of same vein, uh, who's your favorite cartoon character? Uh, you know, I was into Mighty Mouse when I was younger. Um, and um, I, I don't know. I, I really, I don't know. I'm not really a cartoon guy, to be honest. Um, if I had to think. I like that Gargoyles cartoon, but that kind of came out when I was when I was a little too old, you know. So uh, that was good. That was a good one. Yeah, yeah, that was a good one. Uh, yeah, it was pretty cool. You know, that's just a group of gargoyles, like fucking. Yeah, we're here to look after shit, you know. But we're kind of scary looking, you know. Uh, but yeah, I, I I hate to say I really can't. We really weigh in on the cartoon thing. I'm just like it's just, um, yeah, no, it's no, it's, it's cool. Uh, yeah, it's it's okay. I'm a man. I'm a man. well um what one song do you wish you had written and recorded instead of the group or band who did oh um probably bohemian rhapsody just because if i wrote that song i would have enough money to not have to do anything and write (laughs) any songs yeah uh no but uh yeah i don't know that's a tough one i think like uh there's a lot of songs that Night Demon has covered and actually recorded. Um, and like, I think uh, anybody in the band can, can uh, relate to this. It's basically like when you, when you cover a band song, it's, it's not because you can't write your own song. It's because you, when you hear that song, you feel like you want to play it and you feel like you wish you'd written it. So that's why it's like hard for bands a lot to kind of do their own spin on a cover, especially in hard rock or metal, you know, because you're just like, that's what inspires you to play it the way that they fucking do it, you know? So, um, but okay. If I had to pick one, um, okay. I would say the Joan Baez song that Judas Priest covered diamonds and rust. I think that is one of the greatest songs and I, I would have changed some of the lyrics though, but, uh, but that's the, I wish I would have written that song. It's just, it's a great fucking, it's a great fucking song. Great pop song turned into a metal song. Yeah. Cool. Speaking of covers, Jarvis, I really enjoy your guys' uh, Night Demon's cover of the Thin Lizzy song. Some goes down. That was really well done. Thank you. That's okay. So that is an example of making something our own, you know, like we, that song is a pretty mellow song. We, we kind of did that in the first half and then ramped it up yeah. and I thought that their version just, it goes on forever and it just kind of doesn't go anywhere. You know, they're one of my favorite bands. They're my top favorite bands of all time. Uh, but uh, I was proud that we could do something with that, you know, and uh, a lot of people have given us a lot of good feedback that that song, like 
and really like touch them in some deep way, even though we didn't write it. And then there's a lot of hardcore Thin Lizzy fans that are like, dude, you totally ruined this fucking song for me. You know? <laughs> so, so, but, but you got to take the good, you got to take the good with the bad. And now everybody's got a fucking opinion and they're able to type it out on the screen and they never say it to your face. You know? so, well, I don't care what other people thought. I thought it was excellent. So well done. Thank you so much. <laughs> uh, what one creative endeavor are you most proud of? Uh, it's tough. I'd say it's, it's being, it's the night demon thing. You know, I, I think that's what I'll be remembered for, but, uh, business endeavor, or I would say, uh, reuniting Sirith Ungle, uh, it was a thing that had people had tried for decades and uh, many people had told me that I would never be able to do it. And people that had offered like tens of thousands of dollars for what a single performance of this band. And I, I really just took that as motivation. You know, and uh, the what's happened with that band is they reunited and have played now like 30 shows over the world in the last five or six years since it's been now. And they've, you know, they, they've, they've made a new record for the first time in 30 years that was a top 10 charting record. And not just the metal charts, like the charts, you know, and... I'm really proud of that stuff, you know, and there were some fucking corn riffs on that, that I was like, get that shit out of here, you know? So like, you know, fucking like, corn. Yeah. Yeah. Pick the corn know? out of there. Yeah. yeah get gotta, get the, gotta get the scatting in a, in a sear thumb. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The angry sounds. Corn belongs in your shit, not in your speakers. Yeah. Comes out of your ass, not your speakers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I hate the throw this one. I hate to talk shit about bands. I just, they're such an easy target. They, they're yeah, Chop really Top and I saw Ozzy and it was corn. It was with Deftones and corn open. I saw them. that. I saw that tour. That was the Osmosis tour. No, yeah. the, well, this was the No Reti- Retirement Sucks tour. Oh, oh okay. yeah. Okay. Yeah, way back. Like the, like the third song ends, and he's like, we're going to slow things down now. I'm like, oh, fuck, <laughs> it is. Right. You are really needing some help. Goodbye to you. <laughs> yeah. Man. Oh, There's man. A- we pick on Limp Biscuit a lot too. So yeah, oh, you know, they're, they're, easy, they're, they're easy target. Yeah, yeah. just they're really, easy really hanging fruit. Corn discovered discovered that band. You know, yeah. I mean, in my oh, mind, in my shame. mind, like, it was Corn yeah. that started that whole fucking thing. I mean, they came out and then Sepultura heard that Corn record and were like, "Oh yeah, we need to go with Ross Robinson and make a record like that." And then they made Roots. Which it's like, I mean, a lot of people now, a lot of purists give Chaos AD a hard time. I like, I think that's a great album. It's a great great album. Yeah. Yeah. But now, you know how it is. It's like, now it's like, no, arise. And now people are like, no, no, nothing passed beneath the remains. You know, it's like, like, (laughs) I'm like, dude, like, what the fuck? What are you talking about? You know, but the rest thing, like, yeah, I like never recovered from that. That band never recovered. And all those Soulfly records, it was that whole thing, man. It just started to be like, just tune the guitars down where there, there's no tonality and like just slow things down, groove it out, you know, and, and fucking, you know, do a little bit of rapping and, you know, bring some fucking, you know, break off that tree branch. It's an instrument now, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, I like, uh, I like you know, the scene era though. I think the Derek, the last three albums, self two realms are really strong with Derek Green. Well, they're getting, but, but they're, they're getting bad, but, but yeah yeah no no i agree but like again it's like it's like it's like bands that bands that 
create their sound will be remembered. Bands that follow trends, like, hey, yeah, maybe it's not cool to sound like corn anymore. Bands are getting more technical, right? Guitar solos are coming back. So it's like, yeah, well, let's do that too then. You know, it's like they right. could have been doing it the whole time, you know? Right. Yeah, so, Roots again, is not my hey, favorite. Not my, place, not my place. Look, it's like, God, sometimes I get like this, right? Where I feel like, you know, we're having a private conversation. I don't, I don't realize that like this kid, this is, this is forever in the public. Like, <laughs> you know, so, Travis, seriously, uh, if there's anything... No, seriously, if there's anything you want me to cut all that shit out about corn, I'll take it out. Well, here's I mean, the, no, 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 you can say what you want about corn. Just maybe. Here's the thing. <laughs> He's here on the Sepultura guy. Yeah, as a musician. I'll, I'll take the Sepultura stuff out. I'll just, yeah. This is a stigma. You're making that, me at it, man. This is a stigma <laughs> that musicians face. I don't think it's fair. Oh, oh, you create music, so you may not have an opinion on other music. I think that's bullshit. Because I we're know. fans first. We're fans right. first. So if we say that fucking album sucks, it's because we like the band. We're a fan of the band. But we can't say that because well, what have you done that's as big as what they've done? Right. Fuck exactly. you. I've done stuff, but I'm a fan. I'm speaking as yeah. a fan. There right. is. There's a bizarre stigma about musicians talking about other bands in, in you know, unfavorable lights. And I think it's bullshit. Yeah, we're allowed to have an opinion. We are, we are. But I do see another one side of it. I do see though is like you. Know, I always try to put myself in somebody else's position, yeah. and it's like you know what? It doesn't matter what I fucking think. You know? Yeah. At the end of the day, like, right? Because somebody likes it, and they're allowed to fucking like it. And right. The band that I'm trashing has worked very hard to do what they're doing. You know, it's not for me to take it away from them. But between us, like. Yeah, shit's fucking bullshit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is, you, know, you can always preface it with, you know, like it's it's fine if you know somebody listens to this band, but I just fucking hate them. I can't stand uh, Limp Bizkit. I mean, we yeah. got, and, and I got I got drunk one night on the Vindicator page and went onto a Limp Bizkit post. It was a metal and like a metal injection post or something. It was where Fred Durst was canceling because of he was concerned about his his crew and things because of COVID, and the the headline was. It was fun while it lasted. And I was like, this is going to be hilarious. Three beers deep. And I wrote, it was never fun. Holy <laughs> shit, man. Just me saying there were people threatening his life below me. But because yeah. we were a band, bands can't talk shit on our bands. Well, what I the know. fuck, man? Like, I was just having a laugh. And you guys are taking this super seriously. But I still don't like Lump Biscuit. And at the end yeah. of the day, I don't give a fuck who does. If that's your thing. That's fine, but I should be able to say they suck, and you can say, yeah, no, they don't, and then we agree to disagree, and we, we go on, you know, but these people, man, they took it to heart. <laughs> it well, was good. Yeah. I'm not doing that <laughs> shit anymore. No more letting yeah. me near the band account while I'm drinking. <laughs> yeah, 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 dude. I feel you. I feel you. Uh, okay, Jarvis, I want to do uh, what we're calling Blast Beats. Real okay. quick answer questions. When I ask you a question, it's a choice. You give me the choice. We're just going to blast right through these. You got it. All right. Hot dog or hamburger? Hamburger. Ketchup or mustard? Both. Pizza, favorite pizza topping? Cheese. Pen, pen or pencil? Pen. Paperback or Kindle? Paperback. PC or Apple? Apple. Movie theater or streaming? Movie theater. And, uh, movies are meant to be watched in a theater. That's why people make them. Favorite holiday? Wow. Halloween. Favorite ice cream flavor? Chocolate. Dog or cat? Dog. Marvel or DC? EC. Batman or Superman? Neither. 
<laughs> Avengers or Justice League? Probably going to go with Justice League since you said DC. Yeah, yeah. No, no, I said EC. Oh, EC. Oh, 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 yeah. EC. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Those, yeah. those are great. Those horror yeah. comics are fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Did you ever get the reprints that came out in the nineties? Oh fuck yeah! The I color, got the color reprints too. Yeah. Yeah. Sell them at the newsstand at the little shop. Yeah. Oh yeah, those are awesome. Those are great. All those reprints, man. To read oh, those yeah. comics from the fifties <laughs> and to see why the parents were so outraged. I mean, I, when I read that story about the baseball player, the one that launched the whole seduction of the innocent thing about the baseball player who was found that the other guy was like banging his wife. And so they had this game where like essentially they gutted him and used his entrails for the, the baseline. And he, the, the <laughs> right. catcher, the catcher is using his torso for a protection plate and they're, yeah, they're using incredible. a leg for a baseball bat and throwing his head. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, fuck man, that, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I, I'm going to, I'm going to name a band. And I yeah. want you to tell me your favorite album by that band. And if you think they're shit, you just say that. Okay. Okay. Black Sabbath. I don't have a favorite. Okay. I mean, I don't know. I think, uh, I think the best album is Paranoid. I know that's an unpopular opinion, but I want, if you want to talk about a full album of songs and the cohesiveness of it and the weight of every song, it's, it's gotta be that. Yeah. Okay. Judas Priest. Ooh, oh, fuck, man! This is like these are fucking impossible questions. Uh, <laughs> like I, I've got an, I've got a five album era. I've got Sad Wings up into the Unleashed in the East, but if I had to pick one, I'd pick Sad Wings of Destiny. Yeah. Okay, Halloween. Mm, whatever the the the, the song. <laughs> okay. You know, R- Rush. The first record, I've, I've still personal on it, but that's a fucking rock album, man. I'm not a real, I'm not a real proggy guy, you know. Like I, I need to, I need something listenable, you know. Okay. At least something I can see, something I can fuck to, you know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, speaking of Iron Maiden. <laughs> ah fuck. Uh, well, uh, the first one. Okay. I mean, I, oh, fuck, go ahead. It's hard. Sorry, no. I'm gonna go with Number of the Beast. All I, right. I've, I've done this in my head a lot. Testament. Uh, I really like the album Love a lot, and that mm-hmm. might be unpopular opinion, but I no, really like my that favorite. Album. Not it's at like all. super oh, really? fucking okay. heavy. Oh yeah, we, we did a we did a Testament kind of bottoms up where we talked to. Oh, you did. Okay. And the Testament. Yeah, yeah we we uh, we love Love is a five. high yeah. score. Yeah, great, it's a phenomenal. Great, great. Ba- Great ballad on that album. Uh, you got John Tempest on drums. Uh, uh, I think James Murphy stepped in there on right. that one. Um, I for a '90s record, especially that's probably the best '90s metal album. I mean, like it's mm-hmm. it's it's incredible. I really like that. But you know, uh, the, you know, obviously, I, I like practice what you preach to. But again, I think in those era, in those days, it's kind of like it's the record you get and that you listen to. The it's not like these days. You're just like, oh, I get into new bands. Listen to their whole catalog, okay? That one's better than that, you know? So, mm-hmm. Low is my favorite. Yep. Excellent. Overkill. Uh, mm, see, ah, it's tough because I'm going to pass on that one. I don't have a favorite. Um, I'm going to pass on that one. Okay, Sorry. no problem. Sorry. No, it's cool. It's all right. Uh, anthrax. Among the living. 
I mean, like, let's just, just because something's the most popular doesn't mean it's probably good for a reason, you know? I mean, yeah. I wish the production value was a little bit higher on that record, but I mean, that's it's got some that's great songs one. on it. I mean, a lot of tracks are killer. That's, are killer. that's the yeah. one, dude. Yeah. yeah. You know? uh, Megadeth. Uh, you know, uh, I, I'm going to say Peace Cells, but I'm going to give a special nod to So Far So Good, So What. That was, that, that's a record that I can listen to every day. Um, and I couldn't for a long time. So production is really strange, but now my ear is used to it. Um, but Peace Cells is uh, fucking incredible. Yeah, you know, okay, I think cool. I think Rust in Peace is in that conversation, but I think Rust in Peace is just one long, really good thrash song. There you go. Yeah, and the last one, enough. Slayer. I actually like Seasons of the Abyss. Um, that's my favorite Slayer record. It's the last of the uh, the big trilogy of good Rick Rubin albums. Um, it's the last great album I think they made as a band. Um, and yeah, you know, I mean, with all, with all bands that I love, it's the first four or five albums versus the first 10 years that block so whatever comes first um after that you know we fuck off okay know. cool <laughs> excellent thank you um you know we're all fans of other artists and you have met so many people and, and you work with so many other bands do you have a favorite piece of memorabilia like from a, from a fan's point of view um, yeah yeah and and I what have, what is that piece i have a i have a cup that Lars Ulrich gave me on the 1996 load tour, poor touring me. Uh, they used to come out. They used to come out for the show with the house lights on, on that tour and like surprise the audience and go and jam. And he would come out and with like a vodka orange juice and like drink it and like spit the shit on the crowd. You can't do that anymore. And now he just spits water, you know? Uh, but he, I went to 22 shows on that tour. I got my driver's license that year and I just followed the band on tour. And um, I was at the Continental Arena in, in New Jersey and Corrosion Conformity opened, I remember. And after uh, they came off, Lars came out and the crowd was going wild and he fucking handed me this cup full of like vodka and orange juice. And uh, me and this guy from Mexico next to me downed it. You know, I was 16 and just like, it was great. And, uh, <laughs> I still have the cup, you know, and I, I have a little thing marked on it. But uh, I've got some, uh, like, picks from the band on that tour. I got one of James's wristbands. I actually, I was at the L.A. show and he he threw a wristband to me and said, great catch. And I ended up getting a bootleg tape of that show. And I just listened to it on repeat. Like he's talking to me, you know? Uh, so it's Metallica, Metallica stuff, you know, that I have, uh, that's pretty much it. And I do have a, um, I do have a Van Halen road case from the 1981 fair warning tours, Eddie's road case from Tokyo. And it holds three of his Marshall heads in it. And uh, it's got the Van Halen stencil on it. And it's great. It's a flat case. And it's got wheels, and I use it as a coffee table. So uh, nice, it's nice. pretty cool. Yeah. So so yeah, that's cool. Um, I want to do a game called Name That Festival, mm -hmm. and I'm going to be sharing oh, my boy. screen here. Yes. Here we go. Here we go. All right. So Night Demon is playing in a concert, a festival with two other bands. We're going to spin. 
the wheel. We're going to see who those other two acts are. And then you are going to come up with the name of the festival. Cool. Yeah. Okay. Like what? I just make up a name or I no, Yeah. Yeah. Actually... Well, depending on who the three acts are, you're going to look at the three acts and you're going to decide, okay, what the fuck name is this festival with these three groups playing? Like All I'm right? going to create a fictitious name for a you're festival. Gonna, yeah. Okay. Exactly. That's Jesus. exactly it. Okay. 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 So it's night demon. And then so this else? is not something that this is not something that happened in history. That no, 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 no. <laughs> okay, 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 Stevie okay. Wonder. Nice. Okay, so okay. Stevie Wonder. Nice. Okay, okay. we good. Okay. Oh, and who else is coming? Who else is coming? Oh, Radiohead. Oh. Radiohead. Stevie <laughs> All Wonder. All right, me. Yeah. Okay. So there we are. So what? It, what do I do now? between you got the festival radiohead Mm -hmm. and stevie wonder and night demon are playing i want you to name this festival like okay what the fuck would this festival be called if these were the three acts that were playing it and okay yeah in that order the blind the boring and the brave <laughs> we have a winner. There we go. <laughs> Excellent. Nice. And that's that's fantastic. Or how about this? How about this? Songs in the key of what the fuck? <laughs> I'm just imagining this all the t-shirts now, the all the merch. So <laughs> that's fantastic. That's fantastic. Um yeah, I know you're pretty busy and everything like you know, with with all your all your bands and managing and all that, but are you are you watching anything fun on streaming services? You know, Netflix, Prime, Hulu, Disney, anything I, good like that? Yeah, I subscribe to Shutter, which is uh, you know the horror mm-hmm. horror. Um, they're they're getting better with their programming. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, a lot of things in movies. Uh, it's unfortunate these days. Uh, you know, we talked about franchising and stuff like this, and uh, you know. Uh, the movie studios are no longer willing to to get behind something good and artistic and something that has something to say. They're they want to get behind these big brands and just water them down and and just put all this money into it. And it's it's unfortunate because there's so many great independent filmmakers out there that that have a great voice and, and are doing some fantastic writing and have a lot of talent. And a lot of their stuff just falls by the wayside, especially with COVID. All the, there's no film festivals happening. And, uh, you know, all these films are not getting theatrical releases, you know. So uh, although the streaming services are great, a lot of times it's like you're just reading shitty log lines and looking at shitty, shitty uh, artwork, you know. Like, it's all about the, it's like an album, man. It's all about the cover and the title and the, the tag line, you know. It's like... I, I think that that's that's really important, and especially in the genre of horror. And you know, there's, I think you got companies like Blumhouse that are making a ton of horror movies, which are great at a low budget. I think that's really cool because they give creators final cut and they give them creative freedom to make these films at a very low budget. But what the message that that sends to the movie studios is it tells them that horror is not worth anything. And the name horror has always been a stigma. Like, that's why people, you you know, now if you want a horror movie taken seriously, you know, you can't call it that. You have to, you know, be like, you know, it's a it's a uh, psychological thriller, you know, or, you know, something. Cerebral. 
Exactly. Exactly. I really like so, Korean horror, Korean horror films. I've been getting yeah. a lot of great Korean horror, man. Excellent. There, there is, and Shutter has a lot of that stuff. If they do a lot of international stuff, which I think is great. Yeah. Um, and look, you know, cool thing is, hey, look, you could film a movie on your iPhone if you do it right. You know, I, I think I just like bands. I love filmmakers that they just say, you know, what, fuck it, I'm not waiting for somebody to tell me it's okay for me to make a movie. You know, and and I, I will always go see something like that over the bullshit that's in the, the theaters now. Like it's fucking, it's really shitty, man. It's sad what's happening to the, to the, to the movie watching experience. You know, I mean, yeah. movies are made to be watched in a theater. There's nothing like it. There is nothing like it. You will get a totally different experience, you know? So I hope anybody that watches movies on streaming, which I still do, you know, every night, uh, Turn your phone off, turn the lights off, give it some attention, you know, like give it, give it your focus. You know, it's hard. We live in a, we live in a society where we, you know, there's, there's a lot of distractions, you know, and there's a, there's, there's a lot of, uh, we're, 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 we're a weird group of people. And a lot of us are uh, living in half the generation, you know, half our lives were, you know, we, we did read books and we went out and played and rode bikes, you know, and, and then the other half, we have this, you know, super computer in our pockets, you know, where we got all this information, which is great. I think it's fucking great. You know, I, I like being a part of both worlds, but let's keep, let's, let's hang on to some of the traditions. Patience is a very yeah. important thing. Patience and focus. If we can focus on something one at a time, I promise you, you will enjoy it. You will. Excellent. Well said. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Guys, do you have any, any questions that you'd like to ask before we, before we get out of here well i guess so what's uh what's now i know jarvis uh night demon has an upcoming album being released and uh you just released two singles recently for it which are great uh anything else going in the night demon news or what's happening with syrup in the near future yeah so we have a couple it's a compilation album called year of the demon out march 25th we released five seven inch singles in the year 2020 and there were B-sides on those singles that were only on the seven inches. So most people didn't hear those because those sold out pretty quick. So this is kind of a re-release of that stuff since we didn't tour on it. So it's uh, 10 tracks and um, we're going to hit the road in uh, May with Midnight uh, in Europe for a month. And we've got a bunch of summer festivals. We're doing that fall tour in the States, like I explained. Uh, more stuff in Europe. Uh, I think we have about a hundred shows this year. So uh, yeah, it should be great. That's great. Are you going to be coming to Cleveland? We will be in October. Nice. Excellent. Yeah. So we'll be in October. No, 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 no. You said Sierra Um, Thungle's playing Yeah, Sierra Thungle's got, I think like uh, 10 or 12 shows this year, which is really good for them, you know, getting back on the horse. So we'll be there for that. And yeah, you know, all the bands are doing well. Everybody's kind of back at it and, it's pretty cool. You know, I've, I've been to, I went to England last a couple weeks ago and then Scotland last weekend for a couple shows. And uh, it's pretty cool to be in a room again. You kind of forget this, this pandemic thing even happened. You know, it's not until like somebody uh, spits in your face. Like I got spit in the eye the other night. This guy was like close talking to me. And I was all like, oh yeah, fuck that thing. <laughs> like, cause like, you know, I was like, oh, shit, you know, but like, then it happened three more times. I was fine, you know, but like, it's, it's they cancel cool, each other you know? out. Yeah. 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 We've got, yeah. We've got a war to focus on. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. We've got bigger problems, man. You know, we got to fucking, 
fuck all this virus killing people, you know? What happened to us? We killed people, you know? Fuck the virus. We got to do it, you know? That's it, man. So... Hey, would it be too much to ask to do a bumper for us? This is Jarvis Leatherby of Night Demons. You're Thungle. You're watching and listening to Heavy Metal Horror. Would you be cool with that? No. Okay, cool. All right. Thank you. All right. You ready? Yeah. This is Jarvis Leatherby from the heavy metal band Night Demon. You're listening to Heavy Metal Horror. Excellent. Thank you so much. Beautiful. All right. You guys are awesome, man. Thanks, man. We've had a good time. Hope you've had a good time with us. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Nice. Let's do it again. We got a new yes. record, uh, Night Demon New Studio, um, new music coming out November fourth. So maybe we oh, can nice. get something going on for that. Or early oh fuck next yeah, year. yeah. Come I on back. Are, I know you guys are pretty backed up, so uh, let's uh, make something happen. The fall's wide <laughs> open, so that's good. Yeah, we're yeah. we're as free as a as a as a baloney wench. You know. All right, guys, All right, we're going to do our so outro. Much. We're going to have you come in with the horns at the end here. Okay. So you yeah. can find Heavy Metal Horror on UnsaneRadio.com. Listen to full episodes or download to your device. You can find us on Facebook, Heavy Metal Horror Podcast. On Instagram, look for Montag Lewis, one word. Our YouTube page, that's where you're at, Heavy Metal Horror Podcast. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button. And if you know someone who would like our show, tell them about us. And this has been Montag, Master of Illusion. Chop Top. Dread Bull. Wild card. And here we go. Bring up your horns, Jarvis. And you've been watching and listening to Heavy Metal <laughs> Excellent. This is Doug Helbring, and you have been listening to Heavy Metal Horror, the best podcast that you've never heard before. <laughs>